Greetings, this is J.R. Dickey. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. And by the way, don't forget our website, graceandtruth.net. I hope you're having a great day, but if not, hang with me. It's about to get better. Okay, today we're going to talk about the concept of honor. Okay, let's get started. How much is your life worth? Now, before you can answer that, you must consider your market. By that, I mean your life is worth only as much as someone else is willing to pay for it. You may think you're a worthless bum or you're worth the world, but that is irrelevant. Why, even Satan told God in the book of Job, all that a man has, he will give for his life. What really matters is what someone else thinks you're worth. So what do you think? Ten bucks? A hundred? A hundred thousand? How about a whopping million? What would someone else pay for your life? Why, in Africa today, you can buy a goat for 50 bucks. If we consider only the raw materials, you'd be worth between 5 and $10. And that's only if we could find someone who really needs the chemicals. Wait a minute. You say, I'm not just a bunch of chemicals. I'm me. I'm a person. And you're right. But the value of a person is what? Depends on who's doing the valuing, the price fixing, so to speak. In the Bible, Judah sold his brother Joseph for the price of a child slave, 20 pieces of silver. Judas Iscariot sold Jesus for the price of an adult slave, 30 pieces of silver. It would seem that Judah didn't value his little brother very highly. His brothers with him had plotted to kill Joseph anyway, And Judas, well, who knows what was going on in that guy's head. Clearly, he didn't value the Son of God very much. So you see, your value, the price for your life, is related to how the one valuing you perceives you and or feels towards you. May 10th, 1748, was a day in which one man began to perceive and thus value many things quite differently. On a homeward voyage, While he was attempting to steer the ship through a violent storm, John Newton experienced what he would later refer to as his great deliverance. When all seemed lost and he knew the ship would surely sink, he exclaimed, Lord, have mercy on us. Later in his cabin, he reflected on what he had said and began to believe that God had spoken to him through the storm and that grace had begun its work in him. Over the course of time, John came to value the lives of slaves he was transporting entirely differently. These were men and women and children, no longer cargo. He treated them much more humanely. Meanwhile, his perception of the slaves continued to be radically changed. Seven years later, he gave up seafaring forever and pursued with increasing enthusiasm a life of humble ministry under the mentoring of George Whitefield and John Wesley. A few years afterward, he wrote this song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Salvation by grace taught John to see things and others more as God sees them, to perceive them as eternal beings. And then there's love. 
Do you love anyone? What does love do to your sense of their value? The more you love, the more you value someone. Unfortunately, human love is often short-lived. It can be changed by mood, circumstance, and a sense of reciprocity. Before Calvary, buoyed by his loving devotion to Jesus, Peter vowed that he would never deny Christ, yet you all know that he did so three times. After the resurrection on the shores of Galilee, he was ministered to by Jesus. Twice our Savior asked Peter if he loved him, using the word for godly love, agape. Peter responded each time, yes, that he loved him, but he answered with the word for human relational love, phileo. Finally, Jesus asked him a third time the same question, but used Peter's own word, and Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love or phileo me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. That's in John 21. Peter knew that he had phileo love for Jesus, but such love is what left him in the crisis of Gethsemane. Now, all of this pertains to our studies in Revelations chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, which say, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. We've looked at power, riches, wisdom, and strength in previous studies. Herein, we're considering honor. This word in the Greek means, one, a valuing by which the price is fixed, and comes from the word meaning, first, to pay or recompense, and secondly, to pay penalty, suffer punishment. In comparing this word honor, in Matthew 15:4 and its reference to Exodus 20:12 we see that the Hebrew word for the honor Jesus is worthy of essentially to means to be heavy or weighty in other words it is very substantial surrounding the throne this heavenly throng will proclaim that Jesus is worthy of supremely heavy or weighty value That's what this honor means. But why? The Apostle John wrote, We know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So how did John see him? There at the throne, John saw him, I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain. That's Revelations 5, 6. Of course, we will also see him in his splendor and glory. But this scene is pertinent to our study now on honor. It's a scene which Jesus is proclaimed to be worthy of honor. You see, there was a price to be paid. For what and how much? Well, to answer that, we look at something Jesus taught his disciples concerning value or honor. He said in Matthew 13:44, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, 
and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And in verses 45 and 46, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. You see, that field, that dirt, is planet Earth. That pearl, that piece of dirt covered by countless layers of beautiful nacre, that is grace, is you. Those that have taught that it's you that goes and sells everything to buy God have got it all backwards. God's not dirty. He's no piece of grit in need of a covering of grace. And you simply don't have enough to purchase him anyway. But note that in each case, the one doing the buying sold all that he had to obtain his desire. This speaks to how Father God values you. Not ten, not a hundred, not a thousand dollars, not even a whopping million bucks. He could have given the whole cosmos, but no. He sold all that he had. Himself, his beloved son, he gave what was more valuable to him than all the created order more than the entire physical and spiritual universes put together. So, again the question, what's your life worth? Well, in God's eyes, all that he had, for it is Christ who is all in all, and in whom all things consist. The Bible says, you are bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 6, what's your life worth? There's simply no value, no honor in this cosmos that can compare to the value God has placed on you and made it plain and evident on Calvary. Now, because of what happened in Eden, the price was set. A sinless man for a sinless man. Reference 1 John 2, 2 and 1 Corinthians 15, 2. And there was only one way for a sinless man to do the job. God's Son became a man. There simply was no other way. And Jesus submitted to that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father God values you and I, all of us, so highly. That's because he sees us through the lens of his infinite love. Greater love, greater value. Thus, he sacrificed his Son, his Lamb, a Lamb who was above creation, for that which was mortal. He paid a price that can never be measured. It can never be valued enough. It can never be honored enough. In contrast, the enemy of our souls, Satan, despises our very existence. For we are made in the image of God. Satan thinks we're worthless hunks of dirt. But we already know that, don't we? We know that it's only because of God's measureless love and unfathomable grace that we're saved. We know it's Jesus who is so worthy of our acclamation. He is the value, the honor, the heavy, weighty price of our salvation. 1 Peter 2.7 says, Unto you, therefore, who believe, he is precious. 1 Timothy 1.17, Now under the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Yes, 
forever worthy is the Lamb.